0: This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is August 28th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you're at Hofstra Radio.
1: Hi, I'm Mark Waldman. Thank you for having me and inviting me to join this podcast. I'm looking forward to this. I joined WRHU in the fall of 1989 and was with the station until I graduated in May of 93. Okay.
0: What shows and programs did you work on at WRHU? I think the better question
1: is, which ones didn't I work on? (laughs) Uh, When I was a freshman, I wanted to get on the air badly. So I worked on the classics from Hofstra. I worked on uh, new age images. I did that on Friday nights. I worked a jazz shift and I would pick up airwave shifts when I could. I was told that, you know, you have to pay your dues. So I actually, I set the record for most engineered shows of Out Behind the Barn, uh, which was a country-western show on Saturdays at noon uh, with Irv Simner, I believe uh, was his name, and I did it for an entire semester, and I uh, I don't think my record was ever broken.
0: Wow, that's very impressive. Uh, I didn't remember that Irv was on Saturdays. I remember him being on Sunday mornings. I think it was Saturdays. Maybe I, it
1: was Sundays. It was a long time ago. No, I'm, I'm, it, it definitely it was a weekend
0: shift on a day that started with S and ended in Y. <laughs> I I remember doing that that shift quite a bit myself, and I do remember it was it was sign on on Sunday mornings. But I do think I do remember it shifting at some point. But in any case, we we, we survived, and now we have a, a great love of nostalgic country and western music. I'm
1: absolutely sure. he loved it. He absolutely <laughs> loved it. And I just played the records and made him happy.
0: <laughs> um, what titles and positions did you have at the station?
1: I was the jazz producer um, eh, from in the uh, what was it uh, ninety ninety one and ninety one ninety two And then my senior year, uh, I did the uh, promotion I think I was the promotions director, right. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, the promotion, I was definitely the promotions director. Um, you know, arranging like giveaways
0: for the station and, and all that good stuff. Okay. When you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? I went with Mark
1: Wild for a <laughs> for a few shifts and then I told my dad that and my dad said, "Why?" And I said, "I don't know." And he said, "Use your name." I said, "Okay, that might may- that actually makes sense. So I, uh, I, I went back to Mark Waldman, and then I didn't use any other aliases uh, throughout my days.
0: That sounds like a great uh, morning zoo host kind of a DJ name.
1: Exactly. And that's what I originally wanted to do. I wanted to become a morning DJ. Uh, in the Washington area at the time, there were the, the big shows... Were uh, Don and Mike, which was Don Geronimo and Mike O'Mara, and Don Geronimo was an obviously his air name. Uh, the guy's real name is Mike Source, and then there was another big morning show by a guy named the Grease Man. So I just always assumed that nobody used their own name.
0: Wow! I assumed wrong. <laughs> so. The Grease Man. That brings back memories. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so so that sort of leads into the next question: is that I, I'm always curious. What is it that brings people to the radio station, and and I guess for your case to Hofstra in particular, what what first brought you to the station?
1: Well, I uh, grew up in Maryland, uh, came back here, and I have always believed: make it here, make it anywhere. New York, New York. Um, I think the best, really, in most uh, in most industries, the best are in New York. So. I wanted to uh, go to school uh, there, and I and I wanted to be around New York City. I didn't want to be in other parts of the state. Um, what brought me to WRHU is when we took a tour of the campus. Uh, the radio station was really first class. I had toured some other college stations and uh, WRHU's studios, which, you know, looking back on it, were really pretty basic. But they blew away everything else um, at other schools that I had been to, and I said, "This is the this is the place for me." And um, you know, I went down to the radio station. I don't want to say it was the first day I was there, but it was within the first week. Um, I definitely made my way down to the station, and people were generally pretty inviting. And I, I've always looked back. I wish I remembered everyone's names. Uh, but people were really very inviting, and yeah, this is how you get on the air. And I did it.
0: So um, so whatever day that was that you first showed up at the station, uh, I, guess, I guess on your tour, you figured you saw where the station was in Memorial Hall. Do you remember, um, was there an open house like general interest meeting or did you just wander down there between classes and and if you could paint a picture of what the station was like when you showed up if you could kind of give us a sense of where things were and and what they looked like
1: well uh, as I recall I went down I didn't wait for if there was an open house I wasn't waiting for it that I, I wanted I wanted to make it happen so again within the first week of school I went down Uh, I remember meeting, um, ironically, I I remember that when I was on my college visits, uh, Rich Radabali gave me a tour. Mm -hmm. And then when I came down to the station, Rich was the program director at that time. And I indicated that, hey, I would like to join the station. And he was very cool and said, okay, well, this is what you have to do. And and as I recall, he gave me information and, and this and that, yada, yada, yada. And I, I followed through. On it. I walked in really not knowing what to expect, but not expecting. I mean, the, the station office was like this big uh, classroom at the bottom of Memorial Hall. Everybody had the desks. Um, and it was just this big, wide open room. And I don't, you know, my my thought of radio was WKRP in Cincinnati. Yep. So this yep. wasn't what I this wasn't what I expected, um, and yeah, and then it just went from there. I mean, I, I can still see Jeff Krause in the back left corner uh, at his desk. Uh, the sports guys, if I hope I'm remembering this correctly, they were back to the right. Yep, um, and then everybody else kind of marked. Um, the station manager, and and I feel terribly that I cannot remember his name, uh, but the station manager was parked in the middle. I believe his first name was Joe. Rich was in the left corner. Um, yeah, uh, or, or left corner towards the door. Um, and yeah, and then there and there you have it. Um, I think Eliana Baslov was the music director. She was always very cool. Um, yeah. And, and that 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 was I, I really can't emphasize enough. I didn't know what to expect, but when I walked in, I was like, "Wow, this this wasn't what I was expecting." If that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and I I love the picture that you paint. I mean, obviously, we were there at the same time. But as you're telling it, I'm smiling and nodding the whole time. It's like, yep, those guys were there and the lunch trays were here and all that yep. kind of stuff. So that that was cool. You mentioned going to other schools and checking out their radio stations and, and that Hofstra's was considerably better. Can you give us a sense of what was different or, or what you saw at the other places?
1: Well, um, I recall at other and well here, let me, we'll just talk about the good stuff about Hofstra. Okay. At Hofstra when you walked into WRHU, you really felt that this was an organization, that this wasn't just it was a college radio station, but nobody treated it like a college radio station. Yeah. You that nobody if you messed up on air, you were given a little bit of leeway, but you weren't making that mistake again. And people were generally very cool about cor- uh, correcting you. Uh, like it wasn't a hey you really messed up and drill ya. It was hey this is what you did wrong and you know you you have to sound better and, and there was always just that expectation. Um, I liked that when you walked into the studio. Um, again, I I just have these not crystal clear memories, but just this memory of walking in and saying wow this this could be on television this this studio is looks very professional. I mean everything the records were very organized uh you know the board um at the time it wasn't a slide board yet it was the pots right um but you know but you had people that were running it and it looked it looked professionally done the people knew what they were doing the cart machines uh, i want to say were definitely on the left uh you had the you then you had the glass and the announcing booth on the other side i i just was always very I treated it, it, it might have been WRHU, but we treated it like it was a New York City radio station and we were competing.
0: Hmm. Um, I want to go back a little bit further, again, being an out-of-stater and it, it's hard to, to go back in time and go, well, what was the world like before the internet? Um you know, I'm I'm always curious because I grew up near Hofstra, and and I was aware of the university, and I guess a little bit of the radio station because uh, a few people I knew went there. But but how did you find out about it, and how did you do research about where to go to school if you were interested in radio?
1: Well, we uh, we my parents hired a college counselor, okay, and you filled out a survey. Hey, what are you interested in doing? I wanted to go into broadcasting. And I was very specific that I did want to go to school in the Northeast. Um, so within those parameters, uh, the college advisor, uh, you know, did all the searches for us, narrowed it down, uh, Hofstra, Hartford, Adelphi, um, I think Bridgewater, um, where, wherever, where, where is, wherever ESPN is, I'm, I'm blanking on Bridgeport maybe. Yeah. Uh, wherever ESPN is, there's a school there. Uh, and then um, Boston University, UConn, Syracuse, um, those, those were schools that are all recommended to me, and then narrowed it down. Uh, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, I didn't get into Syracuse. Uh, but um, Hofstra was, uh, Hofstra had a great program. And, and uh, I wanted to, um that's where I wanted to end up going.
0: Okay. Thank you for, for recalling that. It's, it's, it's hard, again, to, to imagine what it's like. You can't just go to Google and find these things out. It was, it was, it was kind of an effort to do that. But you get to Hofstra. You go down to the station, you meet Rich and a couple of other people. Were there any training classes? Was there any preparation for getting on the air? You said you were anxious to get on the air, but they must have given you some guidelines about what to do.
1: Absolutely. And it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. I I just thought you show up and, you know, they'll throw me on the air. And no, that was most certainly not the case. You had to get board. You had to get the board qualified, board, board certified. I don't, I don't remember if that was the actual term, but you had to learn how to use the board in the studio. Uh, you had to learn, you know, you had to learn how to mix records, which, yeah, you know, I mean, only rocket science is rocket science. But you have to do it a lot so that you know there's no dead air in there, um, you know. And then it was getting used to, you know, today's day and age. Who uses a record player? but you had to put the needle on you had to back it up and you had to start it up. So you didn't hear the, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, all, all little things like that. And then uh, there was the push. The only, um, if I'm remembering the classic shows, there was an engineer and then there was an announcer on the other side of the glass for the news. There was an engineer and announcer on the other side of the glass, but for the jazz show, New Age Images and Airwave, it was you had to run the board and speak at the same time, which it it's not hard, but you have to get used to it. So right. I had to take the announcing classes. Uh, I had to take some classes on the board and they ran you through this whole thing. And I remember when I got combo cleared, that was the term. I, I was like, wow, I'm I'm on my way. I'm I hey New York radio, here I come.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Do you remember who taught uh your announcing class or engineering class or maybe anybody that, that you were new at the station with?
1: I don't remember I don't remember that. Uh I remember again, um I I, I you know, Rich Radaboli will not remember me. He won't remember uh he, he won't remember any of this. But I always but I just have memories that there was a guy that just was very cool and would help you out. However you can. Um, I, I uh, was also very active in the station. She was the general manager. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying general manager. She was the station manager, uh, my sophomore year. And she was also very helpful, very encouraging. This is what you, uh, this is how you do it. Um, past that I don't remember I mean I, I just remember that there people were always uh willing to help you. Uh, Rob Usden was mm-hmm. also another guy that was generally a very, you, you could ask him hey how do you do this and he would take the time to show you. Um I did take for credit an announcing class with Jeff Krause. uh but that wasn't you you didn't need that class to get on the air. I just thought that would help me. Um to you know down the road
0: okay um i i don't mean to inject my own personal story but as you're talking about was- getting uh combo cleared i i have a very particular story that i remember i was engineering cleared first i wasn't even sure i wanted to be on the air i was there with my friend mike Brahatka, and i remember i had a classic shift and it started at 9 a.m and i think it was on a tuesday and there was a there's an upperclassman who's uh I'll, I'll redact the name to protect to protect <laughs> the guilty but um it would often show up about 9, 29, 30. And then, you know, in time to announce the first record and then disappear and just, just leave me there, which was fine. But uh, this was a case where where the person didn't show up and it was getting very near the end of the, the first song. And I was not clear to be on the air yet. And I called the office and I got you. And I was like, could someone please come down and announce this? And you were like, you got three minutes. Don't worry about it someone will show up and I was like, okay. And it's like, like, give it, give it a minute. And I think I waited literally 60 seconds And I called the office again. And you must've known it was me. And you're like, did anybody show up? And I said, I said, no, please. Could someone come? And you very graciously came down and announced the break. And, and I felt like I was going to get yelled at for, uh, for bothering you. And you were like, no, Hey, you know, call anytime. Like, don't worry about it. It's, you know, what else can I do to help? And you were so gracious And generous, and it stuck with me. Even you know, whatever it is, thirty years later, that I was really thankful and grateful. And whoever it was, you know, showed up a few minutes later and was like, "Oh, sorry, I missed it. No big deal. You should have just done the break." But I was so scared of going on the air before I was cleared, assuming that Jeff Krause or someone would hear it, then I I I would be I would be done. So it's not really a question with that, but I just wanted to share that with you. That that it was very
1: I. I appreciate that, but that was the culture of the station. You helped each other out. And quite frankly, anytime anybody asked me, Hey, do you want to go talk on the air? I did not hesitate. <laughs> so that, was, uh, that was my, I, I'm uh, thank you for, thank you for mentioning that, but believe me. Uh, hey, Mark, do you want to go talk on the radio? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. And, but that, and that having nothing to do with anything, my favorite uh, classics from Hofstra story, when I came down freshman year, um, you know, I mentioned that I wanted, you know, they, they ask you, you know, just to talk to people, what do you want to be eventually? You know, I'd like to be a morning show host. And they pointed out to me, I don't remember his name and it doesn't matter, but they, they pointed out to me, listen, there are shifts where you can develop your personality. If you ever are on the classics from Hofstra, do not, do not develop your personality. This is not the time because apparently Right before school started, one of the announcers, uh, they used to do traffic, you know, and the traffic was, you know, lot A is full, go to lot B, stuff like that. And one of the announcers decided he was going to be in a helicopter and he started beating his chest and he was talking like this. And apparently that did not go over well at all. Like uh, President Short was apparently on the phone uh, to Jeff Krauss within seconds. Uh, you know, asking this young man to for this young man to be taken off
0: the air. Immediately. Oh my goodness! So, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have, Good you have to you have to know the the, the audience and, and the right place and right yeah. time. So, do you Absolutely. do you remember getting on Absolutely. the air the first time? If not the specific time, do you remember your feelings about getting on the air? Were you excited? Were you nervous?
1: Oh, I was always very excited. I was always incredibly, incredibly excited. I'm sure I was nervous. Uh, I always, I always had a little pit in my stomach before I went on because I truly treated it. I, I mean, look in my heart of hearts, I knew that most likely the only people listening were uh, people back in the station office and shut-ins. <laughs> um, you know, but I really treated it like. Th- the New York metro area was hanging on every word I was saying. So I always got a little pit in my stomach and I, I wanted that nervousness before I went on. Um, and the more I did it, I mean, as soon as I would start talking, I would get comfortable. Mm. Um, and I, I initially started out, there was a news show every night at 7 um, 15, a 15 minute block. And Karen Jean, uh, was the news director. And KJ, uh, for people didn't really want to do that shift. And I was a freshman and I wanted to get on the air. So I would do it for her two or three times a week, if not more. I I was always happy to do it again. Oh, here's an opportunity. Take it. So I I always wanted to do those. Um, That morphed into I did a Friday night New Age Images show. And then, you know, and then everything just kind of went from there. I had a jazz show for a few years or a couple of years. Uh, I did an airwave shift with Renee Dupuis Uh, my senior year. um, I didn't have a specific air shift because I was interning at uh, some radio stations and I didn't want I, I wanted to keep my schedule kind of open because I was hoping that I was hoping that somebody was going to offer me like a professional job where I'd have to go out to those. That didn't happen, but that's what I was hoping for. Uh, so, yeah, I don't even that, that. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that is how it all got going.
0: Well, some people have a very specific memory of getting on the air the first time, but you seemed like you were super excited. And if I can guess, were you were you pretty comfortable behind the mic right away? Or was there a particular moment where you thought, yeah, I'm, I'm really loving doing this?
1: I was always comfortable behind the mic. Hmm. I, I always, uh, always. Um, the, the one thing that I, I also, uh, I, I was prepared. So I knew if, even if it was just back announcing, um, I had notes uh, for to make sure I knew what I was saying. Uh, I didn't go in and do cold reads. I, I mean, I just always, I was always prepared. So I, I never, again, I, I would have that pit in my stomach uh, before the light went on, but then once it got rolling, boom, uh, life was good.
0: Mm, that's awesome. Um, also, in terms of getting comfortable at the station, did did you feel comfortable socially there right away, or was there a moment or or a, a time period where you started, you know, having lunch at the station or in the office or hanging around where you thought I'm really comfortable with these people?
1: I never really hung out with a lot of the people from the radio station, so I would go in get what I needed to done certainly had positive interactions with people. Like while I was in the station, it was collaborative and it worked. Um, But for whatever reason, I never really hung out with people outside of the station. I mean, occasionally, Hey, let's grab a beer at Fezziwigs or, or McKeeves, but not really not that often.
0: Okay. Um, what about getting to know Jeff Krauss? What were your first impressions of him and and anybody else at the station who was there in your early days?
1: Uh, I was always impressed by his voice, uh, and I was impressed by how professionally he treated it, treated the station. You know he held people to a very high standard.
0: Mm. Um, who else was around in those early days? You mentioned Eileen and and Rich. Um who else do you remember being around or or listening to other shifts and going, oh, okay, that guy's really good, or she's really good, or I like the way they're doing that? Who else was important to to getting you settled at the station?
1: Uh Steve Goldman was very I wasn't uh part of the sports department, but I was always impressed with like Steve Goldman. Again, I didn't know what a sports announcer would look like, but he struck me as, wow, this guy, yeah, this guy's a sports announcer. He plays the part. Um, there was another guy, Doug, very nice guy. We'll go with that as his last name. Uh, he was Steve's right-hand man. Um, they were both very cool, and, and you, I, I enjoyed uh, talking sports with them. Um and they were also helpful if, if you needed something. Uh, but they generally, the sports guys, stuck to sports. As far as other people, uh, you know, Eliana Boslaw was there with the music stuff. She was cool. Um, and I don't uh, – Sue Zizza was uh, working with Jeff. She was big with the music theater uh, – or not music theater, uh, radio theater. And I, I don't really remember – Ah gosh, I, I'm, I'm getting to be a uh, I'm getting to be 50. I, I just don't remember a lot of the names. Uh, Jeff Shapiro was one of the big announcers there at the time too. He always sounded great. He had a big personality. Uh, John Booty, um, uh, the boot. He didn't go on the air a lot, but he would help you like behind the scenes with recording and engineering. And things like that. He was always great to work with.
0: Um, Again, I'm going to mix in my stories with with your stories. But I remember talking to Will Shelley. And this is a time when you were probably a junior and you were a jazz producer. And at one of the the open house meetings, he came up to you because everybody goes to the rock show or the airwave or whatever, or the sports department. And he came up and said, hey, I want to do a jazz shift. And the way he tells it, you were very surprised that someone came up and said, hey, I want to do a jazz show that they didn't just get wrestled into it. You were the jazz producer for a couple of years. Was that something that was interesting to you beforehand? Or is that just something that you saw an opportunity and you thought, I'll learn what this is?
1: Well, I lied and told people I knew something about jazz music. (laughs) and um, Because again, I I wanted to get, I saw that the airwave, like everybody wanted to be on airwave. And there, and, and one of the things I also saw was that there was seniority. With getting on airwave, and that wasn't going to happen for me. I wasn't going to get a shift until maybe junior year. Uh, so I saw that the jazz show was an opportunity where I could get where I could get on the air, and 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 I figured out. I mean, it wasn't rock again. It wasn't rocket science. That if you read the liner notes, and you know, maybe went to the library and checked out a couple of books, you could find out some history of mm-hmm. jazz. Uh, and I kind of made myself sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, and then, yeah, and then we had, I was the producer and I had to fill 10 shifts a week. Uh, I took one or two of them, uh, each time I enjoyed doing it and yeah. and, And if people came up to me and asked me to be on a jazz show, I was I was generally a little taken back by that, but I was happy to help them out. I I would appreciate them wanting to do it. That's awesome.
0: Um, yeah, I get quite an education myself reading those, those, the, the backs of the records and the liner notes. That was, uh, that was, that was definitely uh, a great part of doing a jazz show. Um, I'd like to, to go back. You've, you've kind of alluded to this already. Um, you know, we're, we're looking back with hindsight. You talked about wanting to join the station. Um, looking back in hindsight can you can you put yourself back in your shoes at 18 years old and and tell us you know what did you hope at that age what did you hope Hofstra Radio would be and what did it become to you
1: well i just saw it as an opportunity and i i just saw it as something that was exciting to do again i mentioned this before and i and i say this with all sincerity in my head, there was always, a, there, there were a million people who were listening to me every time I went on the air, every time. So that, to me, it just afforded the opportunity to, when you were on the air, you needed to sound as professional as possible. And you wanted to, you know, project this image that I wasn't just some, you know, college schlub talking, that here was a guy that was an announcer who put together a good show. and. Um, and it was interesting to listen to now with that I, I i will share that my most embarrassing moment on the air i was doing a shift with uh, an airwave shift with renee dupuy and we were on one to three o'clock on uh, thursday mornings and, and i was also a member of the alpha epsilon pi fraternity and one night we had our pledge initiation So I went out and I had a great time and we were at Pendleton's or Fezziwigs or wherever we were. And then I remembered, oh, you have your shift at one o'clock. And Renee was the host and I was the news guy, but she would open up the mics uh, and she and I would have a good banter. So I I just wasn't reading news Mm -hmm. like she it was her show. And I was I was her sidekick Uh, on Unfortunately, that night, I also held out. Uh, I was hanging out with a really cool guy named Bud and his friend, mm-hmm. Wiser. And uh, before I knew it, we, we had hung out a little too much and I had to get on the air. And I would love to blame Renee for this because she should not have opened the mics that night. But she did. And there was a moment where you heard, uh, because that that was my head hitting the, hitting the table. And... Uh, I only did that once. So WRH you also provided a, a valuable education to me as I think Renee mentioned something about castration. Uh, if I ever did that again on her show.
0: Wow. That's yeah. That's make that mistake once and that, that's that yeah. that's it. Um, well thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good laugh. Um, thank you for saving my bacon 30 years ago on that classic shift. I'll always be uh, grateful for that. And thank you for sharing your time and your stories. This has been a lot of fun. I've been I've been grinning and nodding my head the whole time. I was just it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Mark.
1: Well, Brian, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. And again, I really have nothing but fond, fond, fond memories of WRHU. It really... It was a great education, and I'm glad to see that all these years later, uh, WRHU is still a powerhouse in, in the college radio world. It's really it makes me feel good to see WRHU uh, when the presidential debates mm-hmm. were there. Just to see that WRHU had a big part of it, it made me I feel proud to have been associated with it.